right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Adam Drovetta on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Don't care about the weather. It is a beautiful day. It is a beautiful week because... Nice, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not that this is actually the official start of March. That was last week, but this feels like the official start of March, at least from like the sports term of things. And for me, I, I don't know about you, but, you know, the conference tournaments do start to make it feel that way. But for me, there's one in specific that feels like the, okay, this is the big kickoff for me. It's Arch Madness, which is the Missouri Valley I tournament. missed that yesterday. Did Kevin, does Harlan still yes. call that? Yes, uh, he does. See, you get Harlan, mm-hmm. and he's the first big. And usually the winner of that conference is like a 10, 11. Yeah, they'll, they'll bother like some good, people. Right? Yeah, they bother some people in the tournament. And that was the case yesterday. I, I didn't watch the Longwood beat somebody. I, I can't remember who won it. Murray State uh, or whatever Long- the day before. Yeah, Mur- I watched Murray State. was. I watched that one. Um and that was a really fun game. Um, the uh, I'm trying to think who Longwood beat, but it's, it's Longwood's first trip to the tournament mm-hmm. ever. Which so at uh, Winthrop they beat Winthrop. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean this this feels like the start of March to me. And now you have conference tournaments, and and that's what else feels great. Once we get to like I don't know Wednesday or something, you're going to start having the Power Five conference tournaments where yeah. they have games during the day. No matter what you're doing, you just have the TV on in the corner. I remember when I was I was a kid when I first discovered. Because I always knew the the Big Twelve tournament, and I knew what the conference tournaments were, but I didn't realize till I was probably thirteen years old that there were some conference tournaments the week before. And I remember it was a Saturday, and there was semifinals of some mid major that was on. That's when I first started getting really juiced, you know, because I was like, "Oh my god, it's a week earlier." Because I always, you know, I thought, "All right, conference tournaments lead up to Selection Sunday." And I remember some random Saturday, I'm flipping through the channels, and they had some mid-major semifinal on, and I'm like, "Oh, the conference championships are a week earlier than I thought. This is awesome." Yeah, this is this is when it feels real to me, and uh, it's also a beautiful day. KU just won the Big Twelve championship. It was not an easy path to do it for KU over this last week of the season. Um, Would you? I mean, going into the week though, two uh, or yeah. last. Um, I know we talked after losing to Baylor and TCU how it felt like a come down after throttling K State and making a billion threes, but you and I, I maybe this is too much. We should have asked this, this ahead of time because maybe I, I don't want it to feel too much like um, um, we're like going backwards. Yeah, or, hindsight or, goggles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think it's fair to say we, looking at the schedule, we would have taken two and two, right? Of those four games. Oh. Yeah, like if you if you guarantee well, well wait, I mean five, no no, so. no no not not like we would have preferred three and one, mm-hmm. obviously four and zero, oh, but like you wouldn't have been disappointed with two and two, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, if you extend it out with the fifth game, like three and two, you know. Um, yeah, I think you probably would. I mean, we talked, we what did was, talk what was about the fifth one, K State. Well, just you had three last week. Yeah, I guess. I'm just talking know. about the one starting with Baylor. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, Baylor, TCU, TCU, Texas. Yeah. The, I'm, I'm, I don't. It's not my favorite. I would have preferred three and one and winning it outright, but I'm fine with how it went. Yeah. Um. 
we talked about on I think either Monday or Friday. We we added up the probabilities that like Ken Palm had of KU winning each game. And actually, it was like a 57% chance that they did lose at least one of them. So they did. So there was... Yeah, we that we did that on Monday. Mm-hmm. There was a better chance. There it's was just... Uh, the two wins that you got after it were uh, pretty dicey, to say the yeah. least. Um, and honestly, both of them, to some regard, are criticisms that I have had about this team. KU, to really that point... I mean, there, there are a few examples here or there. Like the Iowa State game is home perfect example of this KU being able to win ugly and that is that is a staple of Bill Self basketball teams being able to win ugly when you're not playing your best when you're not shooting your best finding a way to win that game and you know the game in Fort Worth I think was probably the biggest indication of the opposite of that because this is a game you didn't play well but you allowed your opponent to play very well also Against TCU in the home game, you didn't play that great. We found a way to win. I think even more so in the Texas game, you did not play well, but you found a way to win. I mean, KU shot 31% from the field in that game against Texas, and they won. I took two two big things that I took away that we've been harping on KU all year that actually I would argue were improvements that day. Uh, one wasn't necessarily something we've been harping on, but just an interesting topic if you look at the end of regulation, um, they've talked about previous Bill Self teams want to be the team that wants to be up one and need to make a stop at the end of the game, whereas this Bill Self team is more the one that would want to be down one and had the ball in their hands at the end of the game. Well, you're basically in both of those situations at the end of regulation against Texas. Mm-hmm. You made a really good stop, and then you got hacked twice, and they didn't call it. Um, but whatever. You I'm also not, missed it's, it's Jalen Coleman no, land yeah. wide open. Yeah, on that, Christian yeah. Brown missed him. Christian mm. Brown absolutely missed him wide open. But I'm also not going to spend too much time griping as a Kansas fan, not getting a call home. But they, they in in any other moment in the game, Ochai Abaji would have been going to the line twice in those situations. But he didn't. And you're right. Christian Brown missed a wide open Jalen Coleman lands. But, okay, so you, you make the stop and then you don't get the bucket late. It goes to overtime. But then the thing we had been harping on is this team's ability to close late. They finished the game on an 11-2 to run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's big. Well, and think about, too, like there's got to be a letdown factor of Jalen Coleman-Lands banks in the three that doesn't count, but for a brief moment in time, you go, players, yeah, they, you're, they you're were going celebrating, nuts. yeah. And then you kind of have to let down and, and get back up for it, and they did a good job kind of countering that. Um, and to get down on two different occasions, they got down – and then they came back and tied it. I actually thought they they got up for good. I re- went back and rewatched the game Saturday night. I didn't realize. Um, I thought they they had gotten up for good with Ochai's drive to the bucket to finally get his first field goal um, in overtime. But they can't. Uh, Texas responded from there with that little fadeaway to put it to make it sixty because that uh, Ochai drive I think was the one that made a fifty nine fifty nine. And then the little fadeaway from Texas that made it 61-59. So Kansas needed to come back down two twice in overtime. Yeah. And I think as much as like getting a share of the Big 12 crown and being the one seed in the Big 12 tournament, still being alive for a one seed in the NCAA, like all that stuff is, is extremely important. Trying to get your momentum back. Yes, it's all very important. I think just as important as all those things, though, is the fact that you did show you could win ugly. You did show that, hey, we shot 31%. Guess what? We hung on our defense that night. We held them to 34%. You hung with an athletic team. Um, 
they just missed all sorts of layups in that game, did KU. Like, they actually shot okay from three. It just wasn't a high volume. But you had to grind that one out. You had to play good defense. And you did all those things. And a lot of those have been questions about this yeah. team. Like, if, if you would have had that same game plan in the, the TCU game in Fort Worth, I think you win that game. Yeah, and I think it, there's maybe more evidence to suggest that a lot of, as good as TCU is as an offensive rebounding team, uh, when you held them to, what, eight offensive rebounds Thursday night, you did well defensively on the, and on the glass against Texas on Saturday. I think there's something to, uh, I, I think sometimes as fans, you know, you want to just say, man, they just need to make a better effort um, when, in fact, the other team is just, really good at something and they're just going to naturally beat you at that something that being offensive rebounding for TCU but I do think there's something to be said it, it may be as good as TCU is at rebounding the ball offensively what we saw last Tuesday was a bad problem an effort problem from KU and it seems at least in the last two games they've amended that mm-hmm. and they, they still they're they're shooting um Anytime the word bunny comes up, everybody, and I, this was before you followed the the program very closely, but in 07, Kansas lost in the Elite Eight to UCLA by 13 on a night when they missed uh, 19 layups. And that was kind of when self, it was really started first being noticed that self referred to those as bunnies. Um, and so anytime there's a game that uh, people say, you know, they missed a lot of bunnies, everybody reverts back to that UCLA Elite Eight game. Um and that was the game Saturday. They missed a ton of bunnies. Um, you shouldn't have needed overtime, but you did, and and you shut them down in overtime. Yeah, that was that was really impressive. And I think as impressive as anyone was Jalen Wilson in that game in a couple different ways. I mean, first of all, he provided a lot for you statistically on offense. I think 17 and 13 for Jalen in that game, some of the putbacks that he had. But also, like I, I think some of the maybe the knocks on the scouting report against Jalen would probably be, you know, the rebounding. Or, or the effort side of things, like it can come and go. Like there are games where Jalen is go, go, go for the entire 40 minutes or however long he's in there, and he ends up with the, like he did, 13 rebounds in a game like that. And that's so important for this KU team. Then there's some other games with, for whatever reason, maybe it's only three, four, five rebounds for a guy who is one of your better rebounders on the team. Um, and then the other question is kind of like, you know, what is he going to provide defensively? Sometimes there's some lapses there on the defensive end of the court. He... I mean, it was a combination of him and David McCormick against uh, Timmy Allen Mm -hmm. at the end of that game. But together, they held him to 2 of 15. They went at Jalen Wilson. There was was a lot of possessions uh, down the stretch there where Texas was hunting a switch. They were trying to get Jalen Wilson on defense. And he held up. Yeah. I I mean, I I think it was him who had the big uh, block in transition in overtime as well. I mean, he he was great in that game. Oh, yeah, no, the one that caused yeah, the yeah. jump ball. Yes, mm-hmm. you're absolutely right, yes. Yeah, you don't win that game without him. I, and and he, and the thing about it is, I think the frustrating thing about those defensive lapses is, athletically, he looks like a dude who should be an outstanding defender. Um, and he, he, you know, you see moments where you, you see it from him and, and other times where, for whatever reason, it, it goes off his radar. And um, and switching, I, I think it's, it's underappreciated. I, I understand why they switch four most of the game. They don't switch five most of the game, but they switch four most of the game, and I get that. I get why, but it's also not an easy thing to do, and you have to pay close attention, and sometimes you are going to lose your man. Um, but when he's dialed in defensively, just athletically, he's so hard to deal with. Um, the only real answer to him when he's dialed in athletically 
is if you're able to get a position where you're on him with a dude who's like six eleven or seven feet who can just go over the top of him. But other than that, he's a pest defensively when he when he is is in is on. I don't know if I'd go quite that far, but I mean it's just having the effort plays and and having it not be a a net zero, having it be a negative to your defense. And what he showed in that game was better than that. It was good. Um, I I think. The biggest thing for me, though, is the rebounding with Jalen. That, to me, very much determines like where KU goes. I was actually looking at this earlier today. In wins this season for KU, Jalen Wilson is at 7.8 rebounds per game. In losses, he's at 5.5. But that also takes into account that he's playing, for whatever reason, it's like four more minutes per game in the losses than the wins. So if we just, again, like I, I don't use top 40, uh, or, or I mean per 40, uh, minute stats very often, but in situations like this, you're comparing 27 to 31 minutes for the same player. It's fine. So if you do per 40 minutes, Jalen Wilson in wins for KU is averaging 11.2 rebounds per game. In losses, it is 6.9. That is a sizable difference. And for a yeah. team, I mean, we talk about the defensive rebounding all the time, not just because it's it's keeping the other team off the glass and, and giving them extra possessions right near the basket, but it's also... A, a conduit to finishing out the defensive play. And I think most importantly for this team, it is a way to get out in transition and start the break because it's a lot harder to do when they make a shot than you have to inbound the ball out of the basket and everything. So getting defensive rebounds is so important for this team. I mean, it makes sense looking at that, that yes, of course, KU is a better team when one of their best rebounders is rebounding at a better rate, especially a guy who is a good rebounder and can also take it in transition. That's pretty sizable difference, though. Yeah, how many te- how many teams? Because I'm assuming I could be way wrong on this. Is David McCormick the leading rebounder on this team? Um, I'm just curious how many teams you could say where a team's big man is not their most important rebounder. It's either Dave or Jalen. Yeah, it's just it's interesting to me that um, you know, like you, it wouldn't surprise me if a four man was KU's close to leading or at least their most important rebounder in a Bill Self system back when he went three around two, but now that you could argue that their most important uh, rebounder is a guy who spends a lot of his time on the offensive end outside. Well, I was looking at Dave's like w- uh, rebound numbers and wins losses, and they were they were pretty similar. It's just that Jalen's are so yeah, different that's, between the that's, two. Yeah, that's why I would argue mm-hmm. even if Dave has more, based on that, you mm-hmm. could make the argument that Jalen – is the most important yeah. rebounder. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, well, because think about that, too. Like, when Dave gets a rebound, yes, it still could be a transition play if he gets the outlet pass out yeah, of time. Yeah. But for Jalen, it's like he, he can gets start it. He just goes. Yeah, he can start know? it. And then on the – I mean, he has – did he get four points off tip-ins on offensive boards? It was at least four. I can remember two. Yeah. I can remember two specific ones. And it may – so, yeah, if I, if I can only remember two, then there's a good chance that it's it's three. Um, and that one just slipped my mind. So that's the other thing is is the percentage, and I don't know this off the top of my head, but I would imagine that a decent percentage of his rebounds have been offensive boards that either lead Im- immediately to tip-ins or he mm-hmm. comes down with it and is able to put it right back up. Yeah, that's a good point, too. He's been really good at, at finishing off those. Um, and by the way, if you're going by total rebounds this season, David McCormick has more, but Rebounds per game, Jalen Wilson 7.3, David 7.2. So, it's very, so yeah, so they're yeah. basically dead even with McCormick more mm-hmm. overall. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's just it's crazy to think, but in and I would say, kind of like the Ochai factor with uh, how good Courtney Ramey was on Saturday. Which, first off, credit to him because not it's been two games. Yeah, he now just kills Kansas. That not only has he shut down Ochai, but didn't he score? 16 or so the first time in Austin. I don't remember how much he scored. But he scored but 17 on yeah. Saturday. To shut down a player like Ochai Abaji and still have the energy to put up double-digit points on the offensive end, that dude was impressive. Yeah. And it's easier for me to say that since Kansas wound up getting the win. Um, but if you know if you talk about how important it is for Ochai Abaji to get points, it's very important, although I feel good that KU at least showed a will ability to win a game with him getting shut down. Um, and I guess they had before. He he only played really a half against Oklahoma after his injury in Norman. But um, I, I I think with Ochai, you're like, okay, he really needs to score. And that's true. But the games in which he's not going to score are very few and far between. And how I'm relating that to this conversation with Jalen is it's very important that he gets rebounds and more often than not, he is getting a lot of rebounds. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. That, that it does. it's 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 a bad sign if Jalen Wilson only comes away with six boards, but the games in which he only has six boards are fewer than the games in which he's getting more like nine or eleven or you know ten. Yep, they need him to be that guy. Um, certainly, it it really helps when you have two guys who can be a force on the glass with with Dave and Jalen, and then have the others. With your athletic wings, with Christian and Ochai kind of crashing as well. All right, we're going to uh, later on in the show play some senior day speech audio. All the different seniors uh, throughout the show. We've also got Bill Self audio from the post game. Case of the Mondays coming up at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. K women's team got a big win on Saturday at Oklahoma. And we got some Kansas City Chiefs news as well. Loaded show today as we begin what really feels like the start of March, at least from the NCAA tournament. March Madness, that whole deal. Hey, Derek. Yeah? This is RCST. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. All Big 12 awards came out, and uh, Ochak Baji, Big 12 Player of the Year. No surprise there. You got to think, is there any chance that anybody besides him wins it for the for the press vote? No, no way. No way. Um, the thing is, too, that like K, even if KU would have lost to Texas, I still think Ochai wins it. Because I agree. There, there wasn't anybody on Baylor that, like, James Akinjo was first-team all-conference, really good player. Adam Flagler, second-team, really good player. But there was no player on their team that, like, was better than Ochai. It was very you, clear. You think Brown makes it to first-team if Kansas wins it outright? Hmm. Or do you think that matters? That's a good question. I, I kind of think it wouldn't because I still think they would want representation. Okay, so the first team, we'll get into this. Ochai was obviously on the first team. Uh, Bryson Williams was on the first team. I think he would have made it no matter what, especially when you look at you want, like, a, a forward or a, a bigger guy in there. Um James Akinjo made it for Baylor. Nigel Pack made it for Kansas he was, State. Nigel Pack was the only one. Now, I felt, I don't have a vote, but I felt I would have absolutely voted for Nigel Pack to be on first team, and it's right in my mind that he did make it, but I questioned whether or not he would because of how bad K-State was, but I'm, I'm glad. I think it's the right thing that he yeah. did make it. The way I look at it is, and this can't be the only way of doing it because then you end up with a situation where 
oh, well, who's just the most talented? It, it's a combination. But I just like say, if you were to draft today, ask all the Big 12 coaches um, to draft a team, mm-hmm. like Nigel Pack is a top five pick. Yeah, or draft, and if, right? if you, yeah, and, and you're right. If you don't want to go the talent way, say, if you could draft any season that mm-hmm. they had, like if, if you could pick a player to have this type of season for your team, who would you pick? And I think Ochai Abaji would have been number one. I think you could argue Nigel Pack would have been two because he was really good this yeah, year. Yeah, when you have a now guard. you could argue that some of his stats would have gone away if, t- if K State was better. But mm-hmm. but yeah, so uh, Isaiah Brockington got the fifth spot for Christian Brown to have made the first team. Um, and this is the coaches one, obviously. I, I think the biggest competition for him was I don't know, like you said, I I think Nigel Pack was more of a lock, um, even though the team wasn't great. Isaiah Brockington put up like seventeen and eight, but then again, their team wasn't as great, so yeah. I don't know. It feels I, I, like I can't pick it apart. It's a really good. Yeah, I, I can't find James Akinjo might be the one, but you're not. You're not t- the the team that ties for the championships getting somebody on. That's there. the problem. And it's like okay, I get it. Like Akinjo, he had good stats, not great. It was like thirteen and five. He shot like thirty nine percent from the field. If you're just comparing it statistically, like Christian Brown's stats are better, but also it's it's a little bit more even when you think about what the players like do for their team and provide and and how good and how pivotal James Akinjo is for that team and like you said it's hard not to have a team who tied for for first in the Big 12 not have a representative and and this also goes back to the conversation of like Jalen Wilson made third team if you just looked at his Big 12 only numbers you could argue him for first team yeah it's the same thing for like Adam low. Flagler with Baylor. Yeah. Like if you were just going on Big Twelve stats, Adam Flagler would have been a first team All Big Twelve player. Yeah, but it's the full body of work. Um, yeah, and look, I, I can't look. I, I'm not looking at the first team. I can't find anybody when I look at it and find yeah somebody that no, they shouldn't be there. Exactly, and I really can't find somebody that's not in it that I'm saying they got shafted. Yeah, like I could if I wanted. Like to, I could argue Christian Brown. Exactly, but, you could make the argument, but no way. Did he have numbers that you go, wow, it's an absolute travesty that he didn't 100%. But, yeah, he made second team. Dave and Jalen Wilson each made third team. Dewan Harris was honorable mention, which a lot of guys get honorable mention, but that's a cool little honor. Uh, Dewan also got all defensive team. Uh, here's where the awards start to make no sense for me. There, there are two things that made no sense for me. One of them is the defensive team. I don't even know who I would take off. doesn't matter. Kevin McCuller who is the best defensive player on Texas Tech, who is the best defensive team in the country. <laughs> Didn't make it. And he is, he is a finalist. He's one of 10 finalists for the Naismith Defensive Player of the Year Award. <laughs> He's the only Big 12 player on the Naismith finalist. They didn't, for Big make, 12 12. They didn't make the all-Big 12 defensive team in the Big 12. How does that happen? I don't know. So well, that doesn't make sense to me. a bit of an me. oversight. But it's, it's also the defensive team, I feel like, just comes down to it's so hard to watch every game if you're a Big 12 coach and be like, yeah, he's the best defender. Although you would think the coaches would have a good understanding of that as opposed to just voting for who gets the most steals or blocks are or whatever. You, are you going to print off a copy of the all-freshman team and try to get KJ to sign <laughs> it for you? Dude, I were you a little surprised that I guess that was the – I mean – Looking at this, it wasn't like a great freshman class. Kendall Brown, Jeremy Sohan, great for Baylor. Tyrese Hunter was really good for Iowa State. Um, I guess this wasn't a great freshman year for the Big Twelve. If no, nothing against KJ, you know I love KJ Adams. I, I, look, I mean, maybe I'm gonna look like just didn't an feel idiot, like he played enough. With the exception of a couple players on Duke and Drew Timmy, or no, not Drew Timmy, uh, Chet, Chet Holmgren. Chet yeah. Holmgren. I mean, this isn't. Ha- we talked. We've talked about how it's kind of been a down year for point guards. It hasn't been a year with hyper elite freshmen either. No, 
No, it hasn't. Last year was we were kind of spoiled in that regard. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Anyway, that's that's kind of cool for KJ Adams that he did get that award. It's and it's um, a place to start. I I think it, what it shows is. And we've seen in, in glimpses, like, the dude has is athletic. Yeah, he is. Like, that dude can play ball. Mm-hmm. And so I, I like, you know, I view him as a guy. Um, I talked about this with o, uh, talking about Ochai on Friday. Um, there's You have some stories, T-Rob, Devontae Graham, Ochai, stories where a dude comes back after a summer, whether it be between their sophomore and junior season, their junior-senior season, where they just – you're like, where did this guy come from? And you go back and you find, and there's inevitably a story about their crazy work schedule, like their crazy workout schedule over the summer and how much time they put in. Um, I think KJ has the athleticism to turn into somebody like that if he wants to. Yeah. He's a very athletic man. Agreed. Uh, The other award that I had a bit of an issue with, and I, I know a lot of people had an issue with this one, was Scott Drew winning Big 12 Coach of the Year. And I'll preface this first by saying I think a lot of times we do get too wrapped up for the the Coach of the Year awards with, oh, whose team was projected the worst and finished the best? Because I, I understand the process there of saying he got more out of his team, but also I think, that's I a- think that discredits the fact that like maybe people are just because this is very true. They just got it wrong. Yes, people are just bad at predictions. Yeah, that is what Vegas makes billions of like dollars we, we on finished, a year. Right? We, we picked him to fi- we picked them to finish last, and they finished yeah. third. Coach of the year. Well, maybe you just weren't. Yeah, right. exactly. We're just bad at predictions. So I, I think it's it's a little silly to be like, oh, he he exceeded expectations the most. He has to win Big Twelve Coach of the Year. Um, I think it counts a little bit, but again, that shouldn't be the be all end all. So the fact that Scott Drew did win the Big Twelve after losing all those guys from the the national championship team, he deserves to be in discussion. I just, like, and again, like, the fact that Scott Drew has won it three straight times and Bill Self did not win it two years ago when they went 17-1 and in Big 12 play, that is absolutely ridiculous. But as far as this award, I, I thought Mark Adams should have won the job. I mean, to take yeah. over the team after Chris Beard loses, um, you sweep Baylor, you go 3-1 and one against Texas and Baylor, you go 5-1 and one against the... Uh, top four, obviously excluding yourself in the Big 12, yeah. you have the best defense in the country. You are a legit, I don't know, Final Four good enough team. Like, I, I would have probably gone with Mark Adams. Mm-hmm. I think Bill Self is has gotten to the level of um, like LeBron with the MVP. Like, okay, yeah. for there were so many years where LeBron should have won the MVP, but they wanted to give it to somebody, not him. Um, I just I think that's where self is right now. Um, I again I am kind of like you. I don't get super worked up about it. I, I I just sit back and I go, well, I personally I'm just I'm glad Bill Self is the coach of KU and mm-hmm. Scott Drew is not. Scott no, Drew's a fan, thing. Scott Drew's a fantastic coach, right. but I'm not going to get up in arms about who should win Coach of the Year because the guy who I th- who I think is the best coach coaches my team, and that's really all I care right. about. Right, and that's the thing. It's not something where it's like, um. Hey, do you have a good coach? It's like, yeah, I think so. But does he have how many conference coach of the year yeah. does he have? Right? Like nobody I, I'm sure if I asked like any random college basketball, even a KU fan, I guarantee if I asked that on RCST trivia, now now that I said it, somebody will look it up. But if I asked how many Big Twelve coach of the years does Bill Self has, I wouldn't have a clue. I can think of I I, I think maybe I think there's been multiple I think he got it in 06. I mean, some people will know it, but, but I, it's I know, be a I know small population. the only one I'm 100% certain on is, is 09. 
similar to uh, Baylor this year. They mm-hmm. lost pretty much everybody from a title team, and that team went 14-2 and and won the Big 12 outright. And he won it. And actually, he won AP National Coach of the Year, too. Okay, our daily poll for today. This was interesting with the KU-Texas game, getting back to this conversation. So, uh, Jaron Toward, obviously former KU assistant coach, left for Texas this past offseason. And uh, who knows, maybe that helped Texas in, in getting properly prepared for KU and maybe knowing some of their plays and knowing what to expect on inbound plays and out-of-bounds plays, after-timeout plays, those sort of things, because he's been in those huddles so many times before. It also, though, wouldn't surprise me if, if Bill Self, you know, did it, it's like the, hey, I'm expecting you to know what I would normally do, so I'm going to do the opposite. Um, then it just becomes a mind game between the two of them. But nonetheless, um, after the game, there was a video where you can see Bill Self basically does a blow-by with Jaron Howard, which is very interesting because, um, I don't know, it's, it, it's kind of a weird thing. You get offered more money to go to another job. It, it's hard to be mad at somebody, but it's also you could understand – a little bit of bad blood there when you have a situation where, you know, you didn't leave to take a head coaching job. You didn't leave to take a better position. You left for a worst ba- a worse basketball school just so you could get paid a little bit more money. So, it, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. I, I don't know if there was any intent there or it was just accidental, but you did see the video. He blows him by. What I found even more interesting, that at, at the end of the game, when it's clear KU is going to win at the end of overtime, Christian Brown goes jumping up and he goes by the big or the uh, Texas bench and he points to his ring finger to signal we got a Big Twelve championship ring. That was in front of Jaron Howard. Yeah, that was cool. Do you think that was intentional by Christian Brown? I, I mean, think, I think the I would I love it if it was. I would think it's the Texas bench. I think that part was it just happened to be Jaron Howard. I don't know though, but I could see it being both. I do think the fact that it was Texas. That he was that it was their bench that yes. See, I kind of think it but was Jarrett's because it could be. Why do you need to flash to Texas? Hey, we won the Big Twelve yeah. and you didn't. Because that, that wasn't a discussion. And it's perfect for Texas. because if you're Christian Brown, the ball was on that end of the yes. floor when it happened, so he could just say, "Well, no, it's just the game adjusted." Yeah, I was doing it to the fans behind no, I, the Texas. I bench. think that stuff is good for sports. I think it makes it more interesting, and and you kind of have that. I I, I loved it, and I I kind of think it was the case. Um, but now Texas has. I mean, it wouldn't surprise. We've seen how many videos of Christian Brown. I mean, he went nuts at the beginning of the Missouri game. How many videos have we seen of him canning a three in the corner and mm-hmm. peeking back at the other team's you know, fans? So it wouldn't surprise me. Nonetheless, though, the Daily Poll, who are you more upset left the KU program for Texas? Uh, Jaron Howard or Andrea Hootie? I think I mean, Jarrett was a really good recruiter. I think more people will say Hootie because she got, and rightly so, she got a lot of publicity for how great she is at her job, and rightly so, she deserved it. Um, but I think more people, I don't know. But but Jarrett wasn't. A lot of fans do know what Jarrett did for the program, so I don't know. That may be a close one. Certainly closer than the one I came. Yeah, Hootie was Hootie was very much a. Like a legend, Ho- exactly. Almost. And Hootie like became a, a brand. Like people, even fans were wearing shirts that said "Got Hootie." Like mm-hmm. she was very much a brand at KU. Yeah. So that was, um, I think, more people will say her. I probably would, I probably would say her too. But I'm not complaining. And I mean, I'm not. You know, their strength and conditioning hasn't dropped off yet. So yeah, I mean. I just, that's my thing. Like I would argue it, more people would, would say Danny Manning than Jarrett Howard. Yes, I would agree with that. That would be the number one of all three for me. The thing to me is, like, I think Hootie was probably great at her job, 
But like, do I think Ramsey Nijem is any worse as a trainer? Yeah. I mean, there's only so many things you can do. So I would probably go Jaron Tower. He was he was a inarguably a, a really good recruiter for KU. I mean, these are some of the names that he brought in: Cliff Alexander, Quentin Grimes, David McCormick, Jalen Wilson. Um, you can say what you want about maybe some of those players, but you can't you can't pretend They're all like, like five star guys. Yeah, right? you can look. Say what you will about Quentin Grimes and Cliff Alexander. It was a big game. You have got to, exactly. You you cannot argue that you were excited when the day they committed. Yeah, you 100%. you were excited. No matter who you are, if you're a KU fan, you were excited the day they committed. Yeah. So for me, it's uh, it's Jerns. All right, we're gonna take a time out here. When we come back, we'll let you listen in to a couple Senior Day speeches from after the win against Texas on Saturday. With Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. It's about a quarter till four here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Senior day speeches, in case you missed them, you weren't at the game, you didn't listen in on KLWN on the radio like you should have. Well, we're going to play them back for you, just in case. The first guy we got is the walk-on, one Chris Tehan, who uh, is one of the most adored players on this team, as a lot of the walk-ons end up being. Uh, here is Chris Tehan at his uh, senior speech. I don't even know where to start. Um... I've been here a while, and uh, I've enjoyed every second of it. I said it in the little video earlier, this is the best decision I ever made in my life to come to the University of Kansas. And uh, so I'm, I'm gonna start with the coaching staff and everyone around first. Uh, I'll gotta give a special shout out to Chad and Sammy. Those are my people right there. You know, I always go, me and Chad go back and forth, whether it's about the Chicago Bears being awful or whatever. But we always going back and forth, and Sammy's always around. Uh, shout out to the managers. I think that's one thing that people don't really realize is that the managers are more part of our program than a lot of people think. So special shout out to them. And then the coaching staff. And uh, we got to start out with Rams, strength coach. Uh, he, you know, he's a, he's he's done a lot for me. We're, we're real good friends. We're always in the weight room shooting, shooting this, uh, just talking, whatever. He's been, <laughs> he's, been a, he's been a role model for me since I've been here. He's really helped me learn a bunch of things. So shout out Rams. And then we got Star, B-Star. Uh, I've known him since I've been real young. And uh, he's a good friend. And I've, I've come to him for advice even before I was at Kansas. So uh, that's, thank you a lot, Star. And then we got Char and Case. I remember last year they were uh, uh, a big part of the scout team. Uh, I didn't know. If, I don't. I didn't think Case passed the ball enough, but you know that was kind of water off my back. Uh, and then we got KT. Uh, KT's probably the funniest man I've ever met in my life. Uh, my freshman year, I wouldn't say I would, like loved him because most of the I was the butt end of most of the jokes. But uh, he grew on me as time went on when I realized that he was messing with people. And then Coach Rob. Uh, Coach Rob. His scouts are maybe one of the harder things I've ever done in my life. Uh, he, but he's a great guy, he's intense all the time, but it's coming from a good place. Uh, he's taught me a lot, he taught me how to be mentally tough a lot, so I appreciate that, Coach Rob. And then Q, uh, this is the most positive man I've ever met in my life. And uh, it, it rubs off on you. And there's a lot of days I'd come in and be like, you know, had a, had a long night studying or whatever, not really feeling it that day. He hits you with the touches, 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 gives you a little fist pump, and you're kind of like, all right, well, I got I to gotta turn my attitude around and get hyped for today. 
But uh, yeah, the cue's the man. And then Coach Self, uh, thank you for everything. You gave me an opportunity to come to the best place in America, best, best college atmosphere I could possibly go to. Taught me a lot how to be a man, made me a lot more mentally tough, and uh, I, really, I really appreciate that. Thanks, Coach. And then I can't forget my boys over here. I've, uh, I've, been, I've been through a lot with a lot of these people, and I've also been through a lot with a bunch of different teams. I've been here a pretty long time, but this is probably one of my favorite groups. Great group of guys. We all work hard. We all hold each other accountable, have each other's back. So appreciate y'all. Y'all know you mean a lot more to me than that, but I got to keep it short. Appreciate y'all. And then I'll give a shout out to Kyrie of ours, uh, grade school and Rockers High School. Yeah, they, they were a, a big part of making me who I am today. So appreciate that. Uh, I got to go over to my family. Well, there's some of them over there, but some of my brothers stand up. We got, we got Kyle, Connor, and Marcus, uh, my older two. Those were, those were the role models of my life. Uh, my older brothers, I wanted to be just like them uh, as long as I can remember. And uh, yeah, I look up to you guys every single day. I appreciate everything you guys do for me. So thank you, older boys. And then Marcus, uh, Marcus, I don't know, uh, probably a couple of you guys have seen him maybe at the Hawk or the Wheel or the Bull or something like that, I don't know. But uh, that's my best friend right there. Uh, we grew up, we weren't always the closest when we were real young, but uh, as time grew on, that, that became a built-in best friend and brother. So I appreciate everything you do for me, Marcus. And then I'll go over here to my parents, and uh, wait, I, let me, I skipped. Uh, where are they at? Okay, so my nephews and nieces, and Natalie and Joe, I'll do you guys all as one. Uh, your guys' family has been like extra brothers and sisters to me. I love you guys. I want to see you guys do great. Seeing you guys here and all that kind of stuff, I love it. So, hey, appreciate you guys. Thank you for everything you do. I love you guys. And then my mom and dad. Uh, Mark and Donna, and I've been, I, it's hard to put into words how to describe them. Uh, my mom pushed me harder than anybody could push me. I'd say she probably rivals Coach Self, but, uh, I, 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 as I grow up, I respect it more and more. And thank you so much for everything you did. You turned me into the person I am today. And then my dad, um, when you're younger, you don't really realize all the things that your parents sacrificed for you. And I think my dad's a prime example of that. He uh, works long hours, always made time for us. And the older and older I get, the more and more I respect him as a role model and as a man that I want to build my life after. So appreciate you, dad. I love you. Thank you for everything. All right, so and I, my aunts and uncles that are all here today, thank you guys for everything you guys have done for me. And my grandpa, Tian, appreciate you making it out. Love you. All right, and the last thing I'll say, thank you to the fans. Uh, I didn't come to Kansas expecting much, and you guys have made my whole time here a dream. From the T-hand chants to the t-shirts and everything, you guys have really allowed me to live out my dream, and that's something I'll never, ever forget. Thank you, guys, and rock chalk. All right, so that was Chris Tehan, beloved. A little senior day speech there. How about we hear from Mitch Lightfoot, who has been at Kansas for quite a long time. Wow. What a game. Uh, what, a, what a day. I don't even know what to say. That was an amazing game. Uh, thank God. David, great job. Uh, wanted to get started off by saying uh, thank you to, to my teammates. Uh, you guys have really made, uh, made this six years uh, just so enjoyable. 
it's been uh, it's been a ride. We've had our ups and downs, uh, like David said, wins and losses. But hey, at the end of the day, I knew I can depend on you guys to have my back and to and to be there for me. Um, the guys that I've been here the longest with, uh, you guys have you guys have really you guys know what it takes to to be a Jayhawk, and you know what it takes to endure uh, 7 a.m. four-hour practice and come back for another one at three. Um, these guys, uh, these these guys are some of the toughest toughest guys that I've ever met. Uh, they, they mean the world to me, and uh, I hope they mean the world to you guys. Um, our support staff, uh, all you guys from Ched, Sammy, uh, all the academics, Vince, Nick, Scooter, all you guys, the managers, you guys mean the, mean the world to this program, mean the world to our players. You guys make this place what it is. Uh, without you guys, nothing you guys see out here would happen. Uh, it truly means means the world to us, and, and I can never thank you guys enough for it. Uh, finally, I'm gonna or not finally, shoot, sorry, my bad. Uh, I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go to the coaches, uh, Ramsey. He uh, he's turned me into this physical specimen I am today. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, he he has the best energy. He brightens the room when he walks in. And uh, I guarantee you he's going to have something to say to you uh, if he knows, he knows something that uh, he feels others should know too. So uh, thank you, Ramsey. I appreciate you. Uh, Star, wow. Only been uh, together for one year, but man, you're doing great, bud. Uh, I think, I, I think he, uh, he knows more about uh, this place, uh, the coaches, and uh, these players than dang near anyone does. And I'm, I'm excited for uh, your future in coaching, and I think uh, it's going to be very bright. Uh, Shard, uh, you are uh, you're uh, one of the hardest working guys. You really uh, you give this university everything you got, and I appreciate it. Uh, thank you. Now to the or now to the head coaches and uh, all the other assistants. I, I appreciate Coach Case and uh, Coach Townsend. They uh, they play off each other. It's kind of like going to going to a comedy show. You're gonna one's gonna say something, the other one's gonna edge them on, and the next one's gonna say it, and then you're gonna feel like I don't know who to go to. But hey, uh, everybody else is laughing at you, so it's all good. Um, Next, I, Coach Rob, I appreciate you. you uh, you're the coach that recruited me. You, uh, you, made, you made, uh, made me better. You, uh, you taught me how to shoot a right-handed jump hook, and thank you. Uh, coach Q, your, uh, your energy is contagious. Uh, keep being positive, relentlessly positive. Uh, in any situation, you're going to find a way to make sure we, uh, we understand that the sun's going to come up the next day, and we're going to have an opportunity to get better, and thank you. Wow, Coach Shell. Um, I, I tell this story. I'm sure a couple of you guys have you guys have heard it. Uh, there's been when I, I first got recruited by you, I was in a gym in uh, Gilbert, Arizona, Higley High School, and and uh, I went and ran over to my phone and checked my phone, and it was it was Bill Self, and I was like, there's no way, because I'm like I'm reading the text script of the voicemail, and it's like, hey bud, how you doing? I'm headed down to Walgreens. I'm gonna call me when you get a get a chance. So I I like raced home. Like I was like, mom, look at this. Like Bill Self text or Bill Self called me. And uh, wow, I didn't know I'd be getting into one of the, the best, the best uh, universities and, and uh, some of those practices. I'm really thankful for them. You, you made me better, mentally tougher, and uh, you really have been like a second father to me here in Lawrence. I moved across the country and uh, I put my trust in you and uh, it, it's, it's paid off. I appreciate you, Coach. <laughs> to my family. Uh, I appreciate you guys. Uh, Miles, Miles is not here, but Max and Ryan are here. Uh, they're my, my little siblings. I appreciate you guys. You guys mean the world to me. Uh, my grandparents, 
You guys, you guys are also here. I, I, I appreciate everything you guys do for me. Um, my beautiful girlfriend, Addison, sitting up there in the 4-4 jersey. I appreciate you. Uh, then, wow, uh, my mom and my dad, they're, uh, there's a couple of things that you, uh, you get into when you go to Kansas. And, and uh, it, this place, it, it's demanding on you. And you guys have always helped me to realize that it's going to pay off. And, and it's paid off. And I, I, uh, I've got my hard work and my uh, dedication because of you guys. You show me each and every day how to provide for, for others and how to provide and, uh, and make a successful household. And, and thank you guys. I appreciate it. <laughs> Lastly, arguably some of my favorite people in the world, you guys. You guys make this place what it is. Without you guys, it's been it wouldn't be it wouldn't be Kansas. It wouldn't be the the atmosphere that brings that that's it, able to bring these uh, these games back. It's able to to make us win close games. Um, I'm forever in your guys' debt, and uh, this place is amazing. Rock chalk, y'all. All right, that was Mitch Life. Uh, good stuff there from Mitch. We'll have more Senior Day speeches later in the show. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Tough getting out of bed this morning after your weekend-long bender? Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. Instead of focusing on Monday, it's time to rehash the glory days of the weekend that was right now on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson. When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No. No, man. Happy Monday here. Let's get into our case of the Mondays. I don't have a case of the Mondays. I, I feel great on this Monday. I have a stain. Of a great I have a week. stain on my shirt, but other than that, I'm doing good. Yeah, so your your shirt has a case of the Mondays. Yeah, but um, there are a lot of people. The guy that's draped over is having a great day. <laughs> there are a lot of people who are having a case of the Mondays today. A lot of people today on this show. So go ahead and hit, cue the music here. Let's get things rolling for another edition of Case of the Mondays on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Adam Devetta and Derek Johnson. Who do you think has the bigger case of the Mondays? Do you think it would be one? Coach Mike Shashevsky or the Duke players. All right, we are going to take you live now to a split radio between RCST <laughs> and talk about Coach K. Dude, so infuriating, so ridiculous. Um, I think I don't know. I think the probably the 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 Duke players or, or the no the worst the worst of the worst are the people who spent fifteen yeah. grand. Jerry Seinfeld, to see him sitting next to a... Uh, like earplugs in. Yeah, well... What's that about? Jerry Seinfeld. Um, what does that have to do with he's, earplugs? He's a, he, uh, he's a very... Um, What's the deal with earplugs? He's a very neurotic guy. And if Jerry Jerry Seinfeld, like who Jerry Seinfeld is and who Larry David is, is very much who they play in their respective <laughs> TV shows. What's the deal with retirement? <laughs> You're not going to work anymore. Can you imagine um, if he did a set at the game? So somebody spent fifteen grand to watch that to watch also, I, UNC I saw, just take that is a turd stain that will not wipe no, off the floor. It's great. Oh indoors. dude, that that had to be one of the most funny, like ironically funny sporting events of all time. You spend like think about this. What other great coach does retirement tours? You know what I mean? Like we see it every so often as like a baseball player, like Derek yeah. Jeter did it and stuff. But like as a coach, like 
Could you imagine like Nick Saban or Bill Belichick? No, you can't. No. Um, and like so much so, Roy Williams, obviously, as we know last yeah. year. So he set this up. And then this whole week, or, or this whole last they week. They wouldn't shut up. They wouldn't about shut up about it. it. Every game you watched, every time you're on ESPN, you saw something on a ticker, you saw a graphic, you saw them spend time talking about it. And then it happens in the split screen thing, which is so ridiculous. Uh, KU's battling for a Big 12 I'll, title. I'll say this the split screen, as stupid as it was, the stupider issue there, or more stupid, whatever that word is. The dumber issue there than the split screen that, that is above that is that they these TV networks still only carve out two hours yeah. for college basketball games, which is dumb. That doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. But then how funny was it that the KU game did end up going to overtime yeah. and, and kind of ruined the beginning of that, which uh, even funnier. Um, but yeah, I I think that I, I also heard uh, apparently... How about the two programs that ruined it? Were Kansas, another blue Carolina. blood, and North Carolina, their hated yeah, rival. objectively funny. But that uh, the students who wanted to go to the game, like, you know, you have camping for KU students to go to the game, and that's usually uh, after the last home game and, and until the next home game or something like that. Um, they had to, they started camping for this for the students like two months out. And then they go to this game, and that happens that you lose at home to your biggest rival. Apparently, there were reports today, too, that Duke was unhappy with North Carolina, that North Carolina didn't, when they were playing in Chapel Hill, they didn't um, honor Coach K in any way. He didn't. Did Wait, wait, wait. So what? I'm no historian, mm-hmm. but what years am I missing that Coach K coached at North Carolina? <laughs> Dude, it's, it's so ridiculous. They, like, want this to be a... Like, I understand. If you're a Duke fan... It's a huge it deal. It is a huge that, deal. That, the, the whole, the ceremonies, they should, Duke, Duke should have done exactly yes. what they did. I love that they brought all those experts. But, like, uh, stop trying those, to force feed it down our throats. Yeah. You know? They didn't do it with Tom Brady. No. Gr- granted, Tom Brady's, not, well, he may come back, but another example of somebody who waited till the end of the year ret- to retire. I, you know, I don't know. I think what gets me about um, the, the constant insistence that he is above the fray mm-hmm. of the nonsense that comes with acquiring talent in in the sport of college basketball. I, anybody who is gullible enough to believe that Mike Krzyzewski, um didn't take place in, in players getting, quote-unquote, inappropriate funds, they were probably naive yeah. enough to believe that Lance Armstrong never cheated either. It's very simple. I actually call it the Lance Armstrong rule. If you are great... In a sport where everybody cheats, you're also cheating. <laughs> That's how that works. Yeah. And and you know, and I'm fine with it. I think it was frankly immoral that coaches get paid so much money and players until recently didn't even get a lick of it. I thought that was immoral, so I'm fine with it. But don't pretend like you're above it. Yeah. I love when Calipari called it's just him fake. out. Yeah. It's fake. I love when Calipari called him out about it. Um Yeah. I you know, I just it was um do the post game scene afterwards. It went was as so awful funny. as it possibly Please could. Please be ha- quiet. Yeah, I'm talking. <laughs> it went as awful as it could have been if you're a Duke fan. Yeah. And now they're probably going to go and win a national championship. I think the bigger case, probably the bigger case of the Mondays is the players, because I mean, I do feel bad for the players in that sense of like you didn't ask for any of this. Like, yeah. You know, think you about the pressure going into to, that game. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And then this just happened, and then now you feel like you let this guy down. Yeah. Like, I, I feel bad for it. And also, the way Coach K's probably handling it, like, how he's handled stuff in the past, like, oh, you can't wear Duke gear around campus, like, That's, stuff like yeah. that. Like, they're probably suffering the brunt of it. Um, how about this? Um, 
I didn't see this game. You told me about it, but I, I didn't see the. I, I I watched the highlights after I saw the score. Uh, McNeese State and Houston Baptist, which normally is not a game that registers two teams in a in a uh, one bid league who both was have. This lo- even like the semis they, or no, anything? No, I think it was the quarters. They okay. both have losing records too. Okay, so this is a low game. And what this went triple overtime, quadruple. quadruple. This went four overtime. And why did the game go to overtime? Um, okay, well, it went. Or went to kept the, going. The I fourth say. overtime. Mm-hmm. The fourth overtime happened because at the end of the game, McNeese State was trailing by two. Um, they came down the court at the buzzer, or so they thought, canned a three to win it. But the buzzer didn't go off because there were still .6 seconds left. A couple people for McNeese State, I believe including an assistant coach, ran out onto the floor to hug the player who had just canned the three. However, the buzzer never sounded. It's the SoCon, by the way, is there. Or the Southland. The Southland. Um, the buzzer had not sounded. Point sec, six sec, so it's not like you can blame the clock operator mm-hmm. and say, no, we ran out of the court because the backboard light was on and the buzzer yeah. sounded. No, buzzer never sounded. Backboard <laughs> light never lit up. Clearly, point six still on the clock. Dudes rushed the floor from Houston or from uh, McNeese State to hug the guy. Technical foul. Um, so Houston Baptist gets a free throw, at least one, maybe two free throws, and the ball. The fact that they got the ball meant nothing because there was 0.6 seconds left. I don't. The, the highlight I watched only showed them shooting one free throw, and it was the one they made. They may have gotten two free throws and just shot one for two. Regardless, they made a free throw after the technical, forced a fourth overtime. Houston Baptist winds up winning 149 to 144 um, in the fourth overtime. They scored more. The set, the entire, the the score of the second half was 54 to 48. The score of all the overtimes combined was 54 49. It was a fun, it would have been a fun game to watch. (laughs) I do wish I watched it. I went uh, years ago. I went to the NAIA tournament in 07 and the team, uh, the teams, it was the semifinals, and the early semifinal game, you really felt bad for the teams playing in the late semifinal. The early semifinal was between a team from California called Concordia, which I think is from your neck of the woods. Um, yeah. And uh, Actually, I think there's a couple, but the one you're thinking of, I believe, is, yeah, they're like in Irvine or something. Um, and then uh, they were playing Robert Morris, not the one that is in Pennsylvania, but a Robert Morris College from Illinois. And... Um, Illinois Robert Morris was uh, undefeated going into that game. Concordia wound up winning in three overtimes. Of the three overtimes, I believe all of them were forced by a last-second shot. That's so it was, a, it was an amazing game to watch in Municipal Auditorium. Two teams that I didn't care about. But it was just so fun to watch. See, okay, this reminds me of, um, oh gosh, what year was this? I think it was uh, 2012. Utah was playing BYU, which is like a hated rivalry. Utah was up three. And they put, like, a second back on the clock. So, BYU got a 51-yard field goal attempt to tie the game. The field goal was blocked. And as it's blocked, like, there are um, Utah, like, fans start storming the field. The Utah bench runs onto the field. And a BYU player picks up the football after a Utah player, I think, touched it and tries to, like, run it. And so he gets tackled. And because they started running on the field when the play was live, they gave them a 15-yard penalty, and they got to kick another field goal from Didn't 36, he that and he too? missed it. Yeah. So then the fans were already on the field at that point, and, you know, it's just mayhem ensues. But this is kind of like it that. It never really hurts my feelings when bad things happen to BYU. I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, I just know. I don't know. That that's always funny to me. I think there was a similar situation at like Louisville. The best year. ever was um, Kentucky versus LSU in 2002, where Kentucky thought they'd had the game won. The fans hadn't yet rushed the field, but they were standing right on the edge of the field. Mm-hmm. This is football. They're standing right on the edge of the field, ready to rush it. And um, LSU threw a Hail Mary that tipped off one dude into the arms of the other dude. It was the bluegrass miracle. Okay, uh, this is a case of the Mondays of something that just happened about an hour or two ago. But Calvin Ridley has been suspended all of next season for betting on games. Now, if you remember, Calvin Ridley, really good receiver for the Atlanta Falcons, pro bowler last year. Um, After a handful of games this year, left the team for personal reasons. I I think he cited mental health and and wanting to get away from the game and kind of, I guess... I don't know, trying to, to get that Balance part of his life right healthier, yeah, before yeah. he got back into the game. Um, apparently, and this is according to Lindsey Jones, who uh, works for The Athletic. According to a source for Lindsey Jones, Ridley placed three parlays, a three-team, a five-team, and an eight-team parlay, and bet on the Falcons to win. All of the bets were placed between November 23rd and November 28th, which he was gone during those times. The Falcons did beat Jacksonville on November 28th. All of the bets were via a mobile app in Florida. Their bets were placed through the Hard Rock Sportsbook app. The activity was flagged and reported by Genius Sports, the firm that handles sports betting data and info for the NFL. I mean, this is... There's a lot to unpackage here. First of all, the story itself of a guy betting... He he went to Twitter, and he's kind of tweeting through it right now, that uh, he bet... $1,500 on games, and now he's going to get suspended a year. Wild to begin with, just a crazy story. And also, it's crazy a guy would get suspended a year for making three parlay bets when we've seen guys get suspended for way less for, like, like serious allegation yeah. stuff, you know? Beating a, a um, wife or something? But it's it's weird because I, I don't know where to go with this because, yes, clearly you cannot bet on sports games when you are part of of the game like that that's not okay and even if you are betting on your team to win you shouldn't be able to do that because you might have insider information all that stuff um but it, what gets sticky here is that he wasn't on the team mm-hmm. you know and it's like it's, how can you police that at that point to it's, me it's very simple if he was mm-hmm. if he was still if during this leave of absence he was still getting a paycheck if there was something in his contract that still allowed him to get some maybe not his full paycheck full game paycheck but if he was getting some type of paycheck during this leave of absence i'm completely fine with any suspension he gets yeah if he wasn't then it's a little different because he wouldn't have been an employee at the time it would have been like to me it would have been like if somebody retires in you know like didn't gronk take a full year off before returning it was one or two. He was definitely off yeah, for a little. So yeah, so if during that year of retirement somebody uh, places a bet, then that's okay because it, they're retired. They're no longer receiving any sort of revenue from the NFL. That's fine. If Calvin Ridley was still getting a paycheck at this time during his leave of absence, I have zero argument against the um, against the, the suspension. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I if, just, he, if he wasn't, tough. that's different. Yeah, and like I said, that is a uh, very, very long I, I would say I put this so much more on Ridley, though, because if, if you you left the door open of the possibility, and technically the way his retirement is now, so many guys come back from retirement, you still technically leave the door open there even if you retire. But he clearly left the door open to return, so I 
I lean toward, it's weird for me to say, I lean toward siding more with the NFL here. Okay, how about this one, staying in the NFL? Continuing off a story from last week, it sounds like Kirk Herbstreet will have several cases of the Monday upcoming because that dude is about to be tired, worked like a mule. He's going to be doing Thursday night football for Amazon, and he's still going to be doing all of his college football work, college game day, calling the game Saturday. That dude's going to feel a case of the Mondays every Monday. Yeah. Just call, did you say he's calling games Sunday, too, for the NFL? Uh, No, no. Okay. Thursday and then game day Saturday, uh, college football game Saturday, Saturday night. night. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. He's he's gonna be a busy man. Um, at least he's got Sunday to recoup. So, yeah, but I don't know. I think they usually I have him on like college football shows all day. That's Sunday a good too. point. That's know. a good point. Yeah, I think he'll be fine. Uh, I think he'll do a good job. He's he, you know at the very least he's gonna be working. Mm. He's gonna have to come back on Tuesday nights later in the season when they start announcing the college football playoff field. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look, that's another day. Yeah. So he's gonna be very busy. Uh. You know what else? Case of the Mondays. Old MLB rules. MLB wants to make some rule changes. Uh, pitch clock. They want to add in. 14-second pitch clock when nobody's on base. 19 seconds when there is a runner on base. Uh, they want larger bases, which I think a lot of people What's saw that. What's the reason for that? Yeah, is it okay. to avoid dudes running into each other or what? Um, I mean, that could be an added benefit of it. But honestly, the biggest reason is um, to increase the amount of steals. So really, yeah, yeah. The bigger the bigger base would allow. I mean, yeah, it makes sense. Think about it. It's not just that the base would be bigger, so you they, maybe get there slightly it's, earlier. It's the one you're leaving from is also bigger. Well, and also it's there are a lot of steal attempts where you know because this is taught to fielders that you cover the base with one of your knees, and that makes it harder for the oh, so they have runner, more they have to slide side. around it, and and it just makes it tougher. Yeah, you have a bigger side of it, and you could, you know, have more exciting plays where we see the cool plays where the guy tries to tag him, and he makes a cool maneuver, like, on the ground. You just have a wider area for that to the happen. one, and I assume it's the rule you're about to talk about here, is the one that I am most against in the rule in terms of rule changes. I'm adamantly against banning the shift. Yes. Okay, so that's the other figure one. Figure it out yourself. If you are a player, figure it out yourself. If, if dudes start missing a whole bunch of field goals in the NFL, they're not going to go widen the goalpost. They're going to say get better at kicking. Yes, but okay, see, I go back and forth on this one. Honestly, I don't really have a hard stance one way or the other, and this is why. I do agree with that sentiment, and it's like, if, if you hate it so much, figure out other ways to go against it, and it it also, Learn to hit the other it way. is a part of the game. Like, strategy does have to be a part of sporting events, and that is a big part of strategy, and I think that's cool that get, that's get, that, that gets implemented, but also to what you're saying on the field goals, well, think about it like this. The NFL has basically evolved its its rules in, in terms of, like, defense to it's being true. a passing league and offensive league. Yeah, right? you're right. And that is all done in the nature of making a more entertaining product. They argue, I, yes, their argument, I'm not saying mm-hmm. I agree with it, their argument is, it's, well, it's for, for player safety. It's I, I agree that the reason is mm-hmm. because it, it leads to more points. Yeah. So, yeah, that, there's something to that. I just think... Um, I don't know, and, and it's such a simple, like, I get that, so it, I just also, when you factor in, one, just learn how to hit the other direction, you're paid to hit, two, they're inviting you to bunt, they're saying, bunt, mm-hmm. here it is if you bunt, first base, yours, if you bunt, so I, I guess that's my other thing, it, it, there, there are so many ways to to counter that if you are on offense 
in this case, if you're batting, um, there are so many ways to counter a shift that it I, it just seems um, there are no, I guess there are enough answers that a batter can have that you don't need the league doing it for you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm, I'm I'm cool honestly either way on this one. Okay, uh, did you see the? I don't know if you saw the game or this place specifically, but uh, Steph Curry is going to be having a case of the Mondays in terms of just bad PTSD on on the basketball court playing LeBron James. Now, he did beat him in the finals, but negative flashbacks to the finals of him just doing amazing things and still not being good enough. He had this one play where he he got fouled on this like scoop shot layup from the top of the three-point arc. It made zero sense, and it went in uh, for the end one, but... Nonetheless, LeBron too much scores fifty six. Fifty six. He's really good at basketball. Yeah, mm, some would say. Last thing we got for case of the Mondays: the physical limitations of the human body are really suffering today because Jordan Davis is uh, an alien. Apparently, he is the big defensive tackle for Georgia, six foot six and three eighths. So basically, six foot six and a half, three hundred forty one pounds, gigantic human. He ran a four point seven eight. 40-yard dash. What was Dantari Pose? That's, I'm actually glad you brought that up. There are only three players in NFL Combine history who are 330 pounds or more who ran a sub-5 40-yard dash. One is Dantari Poe. He had a 4.98. This guy yeah, is 4.78. That's crazy. Two-tenths of a second faster. Poe I, weighed five more pounds. The, the Look, you can just... and, and it, it's If you look at the way these guys are built, it's not super surprising that that fast if you think about it. Because that is the have, fastest for a player over 330, though. They're, they're upper, like back in the day, 300 meant you had a giant gut, big flabby. Now, dudes who are going over 300 have so much muscle that up top, they're they're broad in the shoulders and they have a they have a tummy, but it's not nearly what it used to be. And so much of their, of their um, weight is in their thighs and their calves and also their butt. And so that just gets you so much starting power there um it, it's it's remarkable i read a story i think it was in 2013 by sam mellinger about dontari poe who when he was at memphis they needed to get special knee braces for him uh that were made of metal and within like two games he'd already snapped them because his knees and legs were just so freaking powerful it's it's really amazing that they got guys that big can can move like that it's 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 crazy. Yeah. He also had a 10-foot-3 standing broad jump, which is a record for someone over 300 pounds. You know how we talk about having like having contests from like pro athletes and then versus normal humans trying to do the same thing just to see how much freakier they are than the normal humans? I would say uh, a really fun, it would be have a normal human line up and attempt to block a player like that. <laughs> and the only thing... But the only move they could use, they can't use a swim move, a spin, arrow, or a stunt. They, the rule is they have to bull rush them. Oh, just to easy. watch them knock a person back. That person would fly. <laughs> they would go through the air 10 yards before they land. And then they would bounce another five. Yeah. No, that'd be, uh, that'd be painful, to say the least. All right. He's Adam Ravetta. That'd make you feel like you're having a case of the Mondays. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. KLWN.com. More Senior Day speeches next. This is Rock Jock Sports Talk. So, uh, Senior Day happened on Saturday. If you missed any of the speeches, we're playing them for you today here on Rock Jock Sports Talk. You know, it was, was going to be interesting to see how Remy Martin 
approach senior day? Because obviously this hasn't really gone to plan, and he hasn't played a, a ton of games. He only played seven minutes in that game against Texas on senior day, despite starting the game. I'm sure it's been a bit of a disappointment for him how this season has gone. Now, it's not all necessarily his fault or anyone's fault that an injury happened, right? That uh, isn't, again, anything you can totally point to. But um, Remy did leave it a bit, a little bit short, a little bit sweet. Here is uh, Remy Martin's senior day speech. Um, I'm, I'm not going to you know, go too long. got some guys that's been here for... A very, 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 very long time. Um, uh, I just want to first, you know, thank my teammates um, just for your support, um, you know, day in, day out, keeping me positive um, through my injuries. I also want to thank the, the coaching staff um, just for, for coaching me and holding me to a high standard. Um, Coach Self, thank you just for the opportunity to, to put the jersey on and just be in, in front of these amazing fans day in and day out. Um, I also want to thank my family for just um, grooming me and keeping my mental right and just being there uh, day in and day out. And I mean, simple, like this is, this is the best place to be. I mean, look, we got the trophy. This is, this is where every kid wants to be. And, and I'm just really honored to be able to just be here with you guys. And thank you guys, the fans and the community for embracing me, uh, on how I play and how I act, all my antics on the court. I know it's a lot, but I just love the game and I appreciate everybody um, that supports me and that's, uh, that's here every night. So I'm gonna give it to the real OGs of, you know, Kansas. Um, um, but I thank you guys for embracing me. Thank you, guys. All right, that was Remy Martin. Again, season hasn't totally gone to plan, but he can still salvage it if he comes up with some big plays down the stretch here in March. Real quick, I know we got to move on to the next guy. I just and I thought this um, when I was recording the senior audio Friday of their the press conference ahead of the game. It and I've thought this before. It's not just didn't dawn on me last week, but like it it. If you want to get frustrated that he got injured, that's fair. I'm sure he was frustrated if he got that he got injured. You can't. It's literally. It's in my mind. I don't think it's possible to dislike Remy Martin. Like he's really handled everything really, really well. I he think. has. Yeah, yeah. I, I I say this all the time. Like I think his teammates love him. I think he loves his teammates. I don't know if if like I don't think Bill Self and Remy Martin like hate each other. I don't know if it's a great relationship though. Like I don't think they're going to actively like, "Hey, once you graduate, you want to, you he's know, not, catch up." But He's not Tyrell Reed. Exa- yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But I don't think he's um Brandon Green either, right? Yeah, so, yeah. I think that's fair. Uh there was another short speech as well from another guy who transferred in this year, Jalen Coleman Lands, and uh I I really like this guy. I I think I mean, he's 25 years old. He has good perspective on everything. Here is uh Jalen Coleman Lands for his senior day speech. It's an honor to kick it off. Um, I mean, where do I start? I mean, I start from my family. I mean, I thank God, man. First of all, I thank God for giving me this, um, giving me this uh, year and opportunity to be around this amazing community, amazing group of guys, coaching staff. Um, I mean, to know that this was an option and me um, now, you know, making my commitment here and this is the best, like. Uh, T.A.N. said it was the best decision I made in my life. Um, um, I don't want to be too long, but uh, 
I think it'd be remiss uh, for me to, you know, not give credit to my brothers. I mean, you guys have made this experience an honor and a privilege, and even the fan base. It's the best fan base in, in the world. Like, I've been around. But I'm going to keep it short. You know, I'm indebted to this community. Um, I'm going to be doing a lot of stuff here um, as far as doing stuff off the court to help out the community that has given me opportunities like this that I'll never forget for my, the rest of my life. And um, I just want to, you know, thank, thank all of you. You know, thank my family for coming out. Um, that's my mom. And, and, thank, and I want to thank the fan base and my brotherhoods and the staff. So it's an honor. Thank you. Thank you. Short, sweet. I thought that was really good from Jalen Coleman Lanz. And, and you know, I, I always kind of wondered like how he viewed how everything went because when they got him, Ochai was still in the, the draft process. And at that point, it, it seemed like Ochai was leaning towards staying in. So I always kind of wondered if Jalen Coleman Lanz came on here expecting a bigger role because if he didn't have Ochai, he would be playing probably 20-ish minutes a game, maybe more because of the fact that, you know, without Ochai, it's not like this team has a bunch of elite shooters on the floor and you would need more minutes from Jalen coleman Land, so he would be playing a bigger role. And then when Ochai comes back, he kind of was just Ochai insurance in that regard. So I wondered if he was a little you know, unhappy with how things turned out, but based on that senior day speech, it doesn't sound like the situation. And I think uh, you know, he's, he's a 25-year-old. Um, he could probably play some basketball overseas or something in the G League for a little bit. Um, make a little bit of money or something like that. But I, I think he has a really good understanding of what this has done for him career-wise and how he can impact things in the community. And I, I think he's a, I, I think that's a really cool story of Jalen Coleman-Lanz coming over here and, and being on a winning team and, and how much he has appreciated that of how much that matters. And it doesn't necessarily have to be, hey, I have to play 30 minutes a night. I want to be on a winning team and impact it in some way. I think that uh, is a really cool thing. The other senior day speech we got to get to, we'll get to Ochai's later in the show. David McCormick. And this one is is maybe most interesting of all, not in terms of maybe the speech itself, but in terms of the fact that he did celebrate senior day. Um, now, he is listed as a senior on the roster, but he technically could come back another year because of the COVID year. And he was asked at a media availability last week if, if he had thought about it. Now, Bill Self was also asked about it, and Bill Self said, I'm not expecting, I'm I'm paraphrasing here, but Bill Self said something along the lines of, I'm not necessarily expecting him to be back, but it's still a decision that we haven't really talked about. Um, David McCormick basically said, like, I haven't really thought about it or made a decision one way or another yet. So we don't know what's going to happen. First question I have about this, if David McCormick does decide to come back next year and play for KU, does he get another senior speech? No, I would say no. I mean, maybe a quick like, one like, like they just did. But Mitch didn't do it last year. I would, I would, I would vote no. It'll probably just be a acknowledge Dave, right? Like yeah. Bill Self will acknowledge him and be like, "But he already got one last year," and he'll make some funny joke about yeah, it, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I don't know what to expect, honestly. Like, if I had to, again, this comes with no like knowledge or anything, but if I just had to guess based on a couple things, based on. I remember after David McCormick's like sophomore season, he made a video announcing he was coming back, and at that point, he wasn't even a starter. Um, at that point, if if you had to make a video announcement to announce you're coming back, like clearly you were closer to going pro than we would have thought. Yeah. And now so, you've had two years since then. You've gotten a. I think he's working on his master's Self degree. Cell said something Friday about he need to have a reason to come back. Yeah, exactly. So 
Um, I'm expecting it whether he graduated in three years. With yeah, the thought of with the possibility that he'd be going to the NBA after. Three yes, years. and that's the thing though. You look at big boards; he's not even in like top hundreds. Like yeah. he's not even in the range of hey, let's scoop this guy up for a two way contract, like the case of of Marcus Garrett was. So I don't know what's going to happen there. I I don't think it would be completely shocking if he decided to you know come back and, and transfer and, and start somewhere new with how things have kind of gone up and down at some point. Again, not reporting that's going to happen. I'm just saying, like, would it be shocking? No. Would it be shocking if he went pro even if he wasn't on the radar just because, hey, you already have accomplished getting your degree from that standpoint. You already have accomplished a lot from the college game, and, and how much better is it really going to get? No, that wouldn't be surprising. I also don't think it would be completely shocking for him just to come back to Kansas. Again, if you are just basing it on the fact that the draft stock isn't probably um, there necessarily. But anyway, here is Dave McCormick. I thought this was a really good speech from Dave. First, I just want to give glory to God, just being able to play the game of basketball, do what I love. Um, with that being said, I just I thank him for the uh, support staff I have. Um, starting off with mom. Everybody know I'm a mama's boy. Um, love her to death, does so many sacrifices. You provided so much for me, countless hours and road trips and just get me to this point. Um, I can't say thank you enough. Uh, love you with everything else I've got. Um, and I mean, it, ta it takes a village uh, for sure just to, to get me to this point. So I think brother, Cousins, aunts, uncles, all of y'all. Like, I appreciate all of y'all so much helping me get to this point. Um, uh, I, don't, I don't know where he, he's sitting at, but uh, Coach Rodney, man, he got me to this point, like, welcomed me in like a, a son of his own, so I can't say thank you enough for him helping me. And um, I just appreciate all y'all, everything y'all have done for me. Um, Next, I got to go to my brothers, my family away from me. From winning games to losing games to boot camps to 7 a.m. practices, bro, y'all mold me and shape me to the person I am today. And I mean that, man. I love y'all with the bottom of my heart. Y'all made me a better person, uh, a better leader, whatever y'all needed from me, I try to provide, and I just, I, I really appreciate y'all and everything y'all sacrifice, and I sacrifice for y'all as well, it's a brotherhood. Uh, to, to point out specifically to my seniors, um, Oach, man, coming in freshman class, it's, it's been a journey, man. We always been boys to just working out, hanging out, to ciphers, the freestyles, making beats, whatever it is, bro. We just free time, man. It's, it's just always been love. T Han helped me when I first got on campus, helped me, took me under his wing, helping with classes, engineering, all that, whatever I needed, man. I just, I really appreciate it. Mitch got me acclimated to the playing style here, told me what Coach Shelf was going to be like, all of that. I can't say thank you enough. Um, Chad, I can always count on you for. 7.30 a.m. text for treatment, so I appreciate that. I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate all that you, uh, you've you done, man. Like Coach said, I've, I've been out here limping around, but you make it worth it. You you help me get to back to 100% each and every day. Sammy, whatever needs to be done, y'all do it. No questions asked, and that's, that's a lot of sacrifice, and I really appreciate that.
um, managers, y'all, y'all, y'all belong right in with my brothers. Um, I can't say thank you enough. Y'all, y'all, in day in and day out, rebounding gear, new shoes, whatever we need, no questions asked. Y'all are there for us, and I really appreciate that from y'all too. Um, lastly, coaches, Rams, biggest trash talker there is. <laughs> But I love it, man. You, you push us to be great. Um, you, you push us in the weight room, on the court, but you also push us mentally. Uh, you know, it's more than just a, a physicality type thing. You, you teach, you preach free game, all that type of stuff. And that really goes a long ways, and I really appreciate that, man. Brady, energy every day. Uh, each and every day, you, Char, Coach Q, most positive person I've ever met in my life. Never had a down day. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. You know, our, uh, our leadership culture club meetings makes all the world, makes all the difference. Your positive attitude can change the whole practice. Coach Rob, most intense man I've ever met in my life. <laughs> but that's also made me play hard. Diving on loose balls, rebound, whatever there is, you, you help me push to be that much better of a player. KT, love you, man. Coach Self. You scream, you yell, you say whatever you need to say to push a player to be his best. And I say thank you. You helped me never settle. You, you mold me, shape me for the man I am today, on and off the court. You helped me become a better leader, a better player. And um, I can't say thank you enough. I appreciate that from the bottom of my heart. And lastly, I say thank you to the fans. If it's not for y'all, y'all see these tables, these trophies. We do this for y'all, day in and day out. This is legacy, tradition. We do this all for y'all, and we appreciate y'all. Man, I, I just thank you for everything y'all do. To the day I die, really crimson and blue. Rock chalk. I thought that was a really good speech from uh, David McCormick. So we'll see what his future holds, and who knows, KU could be losing four of their five starters uh, coming up this next year, but That'll be uh, fodder and conversation for down the road, and we'll uh, deal with that later. All right, with Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chuck Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, depending on it. Five o'clock hour, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Quickly wanted to bring this up. We just talked about KU Women's Basketball in the previous segment. Uh, KU Women's Basketball head coach Brandon Schneider has just been named the Big 12 Coach of the Year. So we congratulations. Didn't even, we didn't even time that on purpose, by the way. Yeah, how about that? Also, Holly Kierskeeter got a first-team selection. Zakiah Franklin, Tiana Jackson were both honorable mention. Jackson also all-defensive team. I thought Jackson for sure should have been. There's a lot of good forwards, but I, I thought she for sure should have been on first, second, or third team. Um, she's so good for that team. So uh, congratulations to all of them, and I think very well-deserved, especially for Brandon Schneider with the job that he has done and seemingly locked to make the NCAA tournament this year. Okay, uh, KU takes down Texas on Saturday on the men's side of things, and again, it was a weird game for Remy Martin, as I discussed uh, in his senior day speech. Seven total minutes played for Remy on senior day despite starting the game. I don't think this season has gone to expectations, and this is now four games back for Remy. And I want to take kind of an examination of how things have gone since Remy has returned to the fold. He has played four games. In those four games, 34 minutes. He has scored nine total points, one assist, 
to zero rebounds, one steal, and zero blocks. He's gone four of ten from the field, one of two from three, and no free throw attempts. So if we go by average since his return, he is at eight and a half minutes per game, 2.3 points per game, and 0.3 assists per game. Per 40 minutes, he's at 10 points a game. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, he's he's underperformed expectations. Now, maybe expectations were too high. Um, it's not easy to come back out of injury. He needs chemistry with the team. The team needs chemistry with him. I think his last four games of the regular season would have been a hell of a lot better than that had he been playing the entire year. Um, but I, I just, you know, I, it's, I don't want to put it all on Remy and say, boy, it was a disappointing season and it's all his fault because I don't think that's the case. I think a lot of it is, I mean, look, it was injury, which was a huge part of it. And then a lot of it was um, you had a senior who turned himself into a, a lottery pick out of out of being a, you know, projected second round pick last year. You know, you had a guy come, not out of nowhere, because we'd seen Ochai play really well, but add, you know, you saw, you had Ochai add his name to the list of players who went from um, borderline second round players to Big 12 player of the year types. And and Ochai added his name to those to that list. And and um, that's going to take numbers away from Remy, having a player as great as, Remy, or as um, Ochai. And he got injured. It, you know, it, it's not... I don't even know if disappointing is the right word because, you know, he did just because he came up short of expectations. I do wonder if the conversation should be around where expectations too high. Um, But I also just think injury and it, you know, and it's a bummer. You know, I'll say this. At what point do you ask Joel Embiid, Yudoka Azubuki once. I'm not talking about the wrists because the wrists, I think, were something funky and both of those happened before. Um, I think that was a structural issue in both wrists. That And the, those surgeries and injuries both happened before conference season. So I'm talking Yudoka in 2018. David McCormick and Remy Martin. At what point, if you're Bill Self, do you examine things and on how they're doing things and go, is there something we can do to prevent this, you know, at injuries come dealing our team dealing with the injuries at the end of the year. And look, it could just be bad luck. But I'm saying the more it happens, the more you have to at least. And the question might be nothing. They've just been getting the short end of the stick. And for the record, David McCormick went 22 and 10 on Saturday. So this is not what it was with Joel Embiid. Um, but I just, I just. You know, I, I think there's a question worth asking there. It could, and again, the answer might be nothing. Um, but now you've got, I can pinpoint four guys now who've dealt with injuries down the stretch of the regular season since 2014. I uh, I don't know how much blame I would want to put on anyone for that. I, I think it is just more of a, an odd circumstance. I mean, and it's not so much blame as like, it's not so much blame as, as just questioning is there a way in which you can switch things up in, in your training? Now, look, again, that doesn't, you know, four times since 2014 is not the same as every single year, to be clear. So it, it's just one of those things where peaks, and, and it's been talked about on Twitter, like, man, how many bad breaks are they going to get? Yeah, um, but I, I like, I, I see Kentucky this year, and it's like Severe Wheeler has missed all these games, and Tyson yeah, yeah. Washington has missed all these games. Injuries you know? happen. I So, you know, I just think it's... Um, 
it's a it's a it's just a notable storyline. Yeah, I, and, I think and, it's just unfortunate. Bill, exactly, and and I will say, Bill Self does not leave a stone unturned in his program, so there's no doubt that this has crossed his mind too. Yeah, and the answer could easily be, it just happens. But yeah, I I think those numbers for Remy are you know it's I I don't really know because. It's it's not a lot of minutes, but it's not very much production at all. Again, one assist, zero rebounds, nine points in thirty four minutes since he's come back. It's very little minutes per game. And I, I think it's a couple things. One that maybe you're not getting as, as much out of Remy as you hoped for, even when he was returning and trying to get back into the swing of things. But also right now, KU has to get more out of the point guard position from a scoring perspective, just overall. It doesn't have to be one guy. They just need something because Dwan Harris, the last handful of games, he is averaging three and a half points per game. He has six of 26 shooting. And if you combine what I mentioned with Remy Martin with Dwan Harris, let's add Joe Yesfu into the mix too. Those are your three primary lead guards. You've gotten a total of 30 points from those three players over the last four games. That is seven and a half points per game from all three of those players. You you don't have to have them averaging 30 a game you don't have to have them leading the team in scoring, being even the the secondary or tertiary options, but you got to get more than that. They need to. You need defenses to think they're capable of scoring. Exactly, and right now they're not. You don't need you don't need Devonte and Frank Mason, but you need to. You need a lead guard who other teams look at and go, "Be careful, he can score if you're not on him." And somebody has to step up in that regard. It doesn't have to be even be all three. It can just be one of them. Yeah. You know. I, I think Remy is a guy that you would look at and say he's shown the potential to do it. Yeah. Dewan is is interesting because that's not really a part of his game, but I also expect him to be better than 6 of 26 shooting. And how many missed layups has there yeah. been as part of that 6 of 26? Well, yeah, and I wonder how much of that has come from teams are reading him really well and, and they know, I, like, okay, that, that drive, the, the, the small man driving to the bucket to put up a layup, has been a staple of this program for so long. So it's not a surprise that teams are scouting it. The difference is with Frank Mason and Devontae Graham, it didn't matter that they scouted it. Um, they were just really great and they could do it. Dewan Harris doesn't need to be that good, but he needs to be able to get to the bucket somewhat. And that might mean big men need to do a better job of sealing for him. Um, but it also might mean he just needs to shoot better. And the problem is I don't know how much better he can become as a shooter at the end of a season. Yeah, from three-point range, I don't know. Do you, no, I don't even mean from three-point range. I, yeah. I mean, but I, I expect him 6 of 26. That's, that's like terrible. 20%. Yeah, that's really bad. Um, so, yeah, you're just you're not getting into... I'll say this for a potential option, man. You know who got a start Saturday was Connor Tian. Is it, <laughs> <laughs> hey, they his, were tied when he left the game. Does his starting mean... Yeah, what does it mean? He's trending in the right direction. If you look at the game before to that game, yeah, it's exactly. in a positive direction. He started. I, I don't think it's a, a situation of... Because I know Dewan has taken a lot of heat. Like I, I think it's far from a situation of, okay, their their point guard spot is struggling to score. We need to, yes, if Remy was playing better, but again, he's sh- he's averaging two point three points per game over the four games and since he's back. So if you don't have in, you have now a maximum of, I would three say, games I would to toy say, with. Before. I would say four yeah. because maybe you can toy with it against your sixteen or your fifteen. Also, though, are maybe. you going to toy with it in the Big Twelve Championship game? That's a good point. You know, I. I don't know. But so, I, yeah, so you have a maximum of three to four games to really toy with things here. Yeah, so like there isn't the immediate option of just saying, well, hey, we have to play that guy more. And I I do, I am a believer that Joe Yesfu is a really good option for this team. 
But again, like the ideal scenario is okay, well, we'd have good other competition from Joe Yesfu and Remy Martin. That Dewan Harris is still playing, but he's playing 25 minutes a game. And I'll, and I'll say this, like to Dewan's credit, as much as that has been a struggle um, with the shooting, as it has for the other guys, Dewan over the last four games has 21 assists to two turnovers. Yeah. Look, there's, like, there's still a lot of value there. Yes, nobody is... There's all Big 12 defense. Nobody's clamoring for Dewan Harris, at least nobody in either of our chairs, is clamoring for Dewan Harris to play less. He just needs to score more. Um, and it's it's a it's a shame that he's not scoring more because, I mean, if you add... With, with what he's done from an assist standpoint and a defensive standpoint, he would have been at least on the... all. If you had 10 points a game to that, he's all Big 12 third team or maybe even second team, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, he just—it's they—they're just—he's—he's he's driving the way other big or other uh, lead guards for Bill Self have driven. He just is not quick enough to get to the bucket in you know even when they have it scouted well. I think it's—it's it's clear that obviously if KU goes to Final Four or something, it's not going to be on the backs of these guys. But I think in the way that that has all been a struggle for them over the last four games. You've gone two and two in that stretch, and the two wins you've had have been close, and the offense hasn't looked as good. I mean, you've dropped from third to seventh and, in offense efficiency. And one I think of it's those, pretty clear you have to have more efficiency. And from one of those spot. wins, which was Thursday, featured Dewan Harris scoring eleven. Exactly. So you got to get more. It doesn't have to be from one guy. It can be from a combination of all three, or it can be just from one guy. But you have to get it somewhere. Uh, he's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com. Depend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Welcome back to Rock Shock Sports Talk. We have played all but one of the Senior Day speeches. It's a pretty notable one. The Ochai Baji Senior Day speech. He was the longest, and I think fittingly so. Uh, before we get into this speech, though, I, I think it was a really good introduction. Funny and, and a little cool nugget here from Bill Self and how he introduced him. Here's what Bill Self had to say before Ochai took the mic. You know... The sideline reporter, Chris, asked me on the sidelines there, uh, what do you got to do to get Oach going? I said, nothing. He's going to play much better second half. And he did. Instead of making zero baskets, he made one. Jeez. God, my. But in all honesty, I think Oach would be the first to tell you he cares so much He's such a good person. He, he's a great teammate. Uh, I don't know if we've had better ambassadors for our university than what he's been. He's in that same mold with Aaron Miles and Devontae Graham. But when we, recruited, when we recruited Oach, we thought he had a chance to be good. But I didn't actually think that his name and number is going to hang in the rafters for the rest of eternity like it will now. This year's Big 12 Player of the Year, Ochai Abaji. So, I mean, there you have it, up in the rafters. And it's not that that would be a surprise because that's part of the criteria now. If you win Big 12 Player of the Year, 
then you're going to be in. And that was the case for Ochak Baji this year. I already saw Sporting News came out, first team All-American on Sporting News, obviously all Big 12. So it's it's going to be a pretty easy lock that he winds up uh, with his jersey retired, as Bill Self just said. That should you know basically lock it up if it wasn't already a lock before. Um, but here is Ochak Baji with his senior day speech. And we're finally here. Uh, I remember when I was a senior, I'm sitting right there, right behind the bench, um, you know, watching Devontae, Devontae Graham stand right here and, and give his speech. So it's actually crazy um, being out here. Uh, first off, I just want to I just want to start with my family because, you know, um, they mean so much to me. Uh, give it up for them. Give it up for my family. Uh, I want to thank my 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 auntie uh, Gina and my uncle Alvin from St. Louis. Um, my grandma and my aunt. I don't know if you guys know my family, but my grandma and my aunt kind of, they're, they're, they're the, they're what, they bring the energy. Um, they're always bringing the energy. Um, you know, I love you guys. You guys are always making sacrifices for, for me and Ori. Uh, so I appreciate you guys. No, I love you guys. Uh, now to my sister, um, Ori, man, she, she's, she's my role model. Um, from <laughs> yeah. she's my role model. Um, she she was dancing. Uh, I remember we were young. She was dancing, and all of a sudden she started playing volleyball. And uh, next thing you know, she's on the USA Junior uh, uh, Women's National Team. So she she showed me how hard work uh, where hard work gets you. So credit to her. Um, I know it's not over. I know the, the, the support is, is still there and it's going to continue. Um, but now to my, to my parents, uh, my mom, just give it up for her. Just give it up for my mom. Please. I love you. Yes. Man, uh, she's done so much for me. Um, always calling me, always texting me before games, after games, uh, making, sure my, making sure my head's right. Uh, you know, just, just showing that support and that love that's always been there. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always going to be thankful for that. So thank you. Thank you. My dad, he's, <laughs> uh, nah, he's, um, he's been there, you know, just like my mom, just had that same support. Um, you know, he's always call, he's the one to always call me. My mom would text me, but my dad would call me after the game, um, talk my ear off about, you know, whatever it is uh, that I did or didn't do in the game. Um, but no, he's, he's always, he's the, he's the man, um, you know, I want to be someday. Um, he's, he's always kept me humble. And, you know, my family in general just always kept me humble. humble. Um, and then, you know, that's, how, that's just how I carry myself. So um, thank you. Thank you. There, there's a lot of people to thank right now, actually. Um, coach T up there, uh, my high school assistant coach, um, you know, he's always been there, always been supporting me, always making it to games, even though he has a game too. Um, Casey, um, he's my boy, you know, you're going to hold it down. Um, Bobby, Bobby Nichols, uh, he's, he's not with academics anymore, but thank you. Um, you did a lot for me my freshman and sophomore year. Um, starting. I'm going to go to my teammates now because I'm just looking around, kind of trying to thank everybody. But now to my teammates, um, you guys mean a lot to me. Uh, coming back this season, um, it, was, it was a tough choice, you know, whether to stay in the draft or, or uh, you know, return. But, you know, this is why I did it. 
you know, I came back for this reason and this reason why. So thank you. You guys are always pushing me. Um, you know, you guys trust me and have the utmost, you know, belief in me uh, for my abilities and just what I do and, you know, looking up to me as a leader. And um, I've embraced that. But no, thank you guys for real. Like, thank you guys. I love you guys from the bottom of my heart. Um, I want to thank Chad, Chad and Sammy. Uh, you guys are always, you know, keeping me right, whether it's massages, um, setting up massages, uh, treatments, different stuff like that. Although I never like being in the treatment room, um, you know, you guys are always fun to be around. Uh, I'm going to miss you guys dearly. Uh, managers, your work goes unnoticed, um, like they were talking about, you know, rebounding for me. Uh, I'll, I'll be texting you guys just out of nowhere, um, like, can you guys rebound for me? You guys are probably in class, so, no, thank you for, for, for sacrificing, you know, your time and, and all that for, for the, you know, for me. So thank you. I also want to thank Travis, our new AD, uh, Morgan, Dan. Um, you guys are you guys are excellent at your jobs. Uh, Angie, compliance. Um, trying not to forget anyone. Sean, Sean Lester. Uh, I want to thank you, our chancellor. Um, you know everybody here. Uh, just you know, I'm just just trying to be thankful for everyone. Not forget anyone. Um, not a Rams. Uh, Ramsey. Before every single game, starting from the Michigan State game, he told me. Um, Right before, he would dap me up and tell me, you're the best player on this court. Um, and that started, you know, the belief. That just, just from day one, that started belief. Uh, but now he's telling me I'm the best player in the country. Uh, so, you know, I've just, you know, ran with that. Star, uh, that's my guy. Uh, we're always in here working out. Uh, whether that be, you know, after a tough loss or after a big win, um, we're, we're always we're always staying level and um, you know working hard. He's always you know got a plan for me, whether that's um, you know easy shots, some light, or you know going going hard in, in our workouts. But no, thank you. I appreciate you. Uh, Shard. Um, Man, I'm I'm not gonna miss your text that you that you text us every uh, every single day. Um, you know, he's always he's the one that that tells us our schedule. Uh, but I'm not gonna miss that. But I am gonna miss you for sure. Um, you know, I remember when you you were playing on the red team and uh, you were that guy that was back cutting from the corner. You know, running, you know, crashing the offensive glass all the time. But now I appreciate you and all the 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 work you put in, the time you put into this uh, this university. Coach Case, uh, man, um, stepped into a new role this year, uh, assistant coach, and he's done a fantastic job at it. Um, I have nothing but respect for you, man. Um, you know, you're Kyrie Irving on that red team. Uh, you're uh, amazing, amazing. But uh, no, I, I respect you, and um, you know, I'm proud of you. KT, KT, the funniest coach I've ever had by far. Um, he's always cracking jokes, whether it be, you know, on the freshmen or the walk-ons, stuff like that. But no, nah, he's always bringing that entertainment to practice, that fun into practice. Uh, so, you know, thank you. Thank you for everything you, you've done for me. <laughs> Coach Q, positivity. That's basically all it is. He's, 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 always, he's always smiling. Um, Man, he's uh, always motivating guys, whether it be, you know, texting them to go to class, like, 
<laughs> like KJ, <laughs> texting to go to class or, um, you know, making sure we're, we're on top of our academics and all that stuff. But no, thank you. Thank you for everything you've done. Um, I know our talk in Arizona was, uh, was you know, monumental and changing, changing for both of us. But uh, no, I appreciate you a lot. Coach Rob, uh, he recruited me here. Um, so if there's anybody you think on the, on the coaching staff besides Coach Self, obviously, for, for, for getting me here, it's Coach Rob. So now give a big thank you to Coach Rob. Uh, he's always intense. Like the other guys were saying, he's, he's always bringing that intense factor. So you kind of have KT that, that brings that funny factor. And then Coach Rob that's over here yelling all the time. But now nah, we, we feed off that. Uh, we feed off that energy. We feed off that vibe. And, um, you know, I'm thankful for you and, you know, you giving me an opportunity at this school. And, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm always, I'm always going to be thankful for that. Big shout out to the wives, um, the coaches' wives up there. Thank you guys. Um, you know, all you guys do for us, whether that's cooking, uh, making some, some Christmas treats for us, uh, having us over at Coach's house. Uh, you guys always set that up. So thank you. Give a big thank you to them too. And uh, last but not least, uh, Coach Self. Um, man. He's, he's, I always say this from day one, um, he's the biggest motivator that I've always, uh, that, I, that I've ever met, um, the best coach that I've ever, uh, ever met, and you know, picking his brain and everything and how he sees the game and, his, uh, and everything like that is, is amazing. So, um, you know, I feel honored every single day to walk into practice and be coached by you. So thank you for that. He told me, he told me my freshman year, um, I, I believe I was still redshirting then. Um, he told me in, in a simple drill that we had that uh, he just walked up to me some random day and he was like, you're going to be an All-American one day. Um, you know, and I kind of looked at him like, like, what? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, I'm just a freshman. I'm not even about to play this year, stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's, it's crazy how, how things come full circle. And, um, you know, you're a big part of that, a huge part of that. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And to the fans, uh, everyone that's still here, thank you. Uh, it's been a long day. You guys stuck around, um, but it is worth it. So, you know, thank you. Thank you. You guys are the, literally the best fans in the country. We've had some tough games this year, um, some blowouts here. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm excited for, for what's, uh, what's to come, and I know it, the best is yet to come for this team. So with that being said, thank you, and rock shock. I thought that was really good stuff from Ocha. You can just tell like how how humble, how, how nice he is. He, he literally wanted to thank everyone. I think if you would have known the names of every fan that was in attendance to the game, you would have thanked them each individually, and, and that's just kind of the, the stand-up guy that he is. Like Bill Self mentioned Devontae Graham as, as somebody like him who is a, as good of an ambassador for the school and everything. And, man, he is he's just such a kind, humble, good-hearted kid, great to talk to, great to have uh, with the media availabilities and everything, um, the part where he gets emotional with his sister. You know, it's always senior day can always be a, an extra bit of attachment, I think, to these players. You watch these kids for four years in the program, or in the case of certain players, six years or so, um, and you – you know, it's a kind of a form of entertainment and something you're rooting for and everything. 
And when Senior Day happens, you get kind of an inside look at, at more of just the athlete, uh, more more than just the athlete with the person and the personal side of things, and you get the emotional side of things as well, I think that's when things really do start to hit, and I think it makes whatever happens in March even more extreme because then at this point now you are more emotionally attached to the players and, and that individual team, and and certainly I think that'll be the case for Ochag Baji, whatever his final game will end up being this year for KU. And beyond the speech, like just the story of this kid who I think he was the 10th-ranked recruit in his own area, a three-star prospect, Comes in, wants to redshirt his first year, gets that pulled off because KU had some issues, comes out firing. It, it was funny because I remember those first couple games when he came out firing, it was like, oh my gosh, is this, could this guy be a draft pick right now? He's this super athletic wing who's can shoot. And then it, it, you started to see some of the inconsistencies. And then now we've wrapped back around to that. And we've wrapped back around to that so much so of, hey, he's an elite shooter, elite athlete, lottery pick. And he's going to make himself a lot of money. The the progression he has had, it, it, it's hard to pick like one guy who has progressed the most from freshman to senior year. You know, when you have your Frank Masons, when you have the jump of one year to the next of like a Thomas Robinson, right? But he's up in that category of the most improved player from when they first came here to by the time they were done. And and I think also in the most improved category of from one year to the next, which is weird because, you know, he was a good player last year, team leader in scoring 14 points per game. He was an all-conference player, but he went from being that, that's how big of a jump it was to go from that to one of the best players in the country is still such a sizable jump. And he did that this year. And what a remarkable career for Ochag Baji. All right, this is Rock Chuck Sports Talk with Adam Brevet. I'm Derek Johnson on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, depending on it.